Suit Up, a 30-minute program dedicated to conversation with local and national people in the sports world about their sport and their faith. Kevin Ward leads the discussion each week, courtesy of Air Assurance, Kevin Grover Buick GMC in Wagner, and the Park Church of Christ. Here's your host, Kevin Ward. Joe Dial is a third-generation pole vaulter. He would become one of the U.S.'s best in high school, college, and as a pro. Dial was the first high schooler to ever clear 17 and a half feet and 18 feet, was named Track and Field News Magazine National High School Track Athlete of the Year in 1981. He was a four-time All-American at Oklahoma State, where he held several records at the time and has been inducted into the Oklahoma Sports and Oklahoma State Sports Hall of Fame. He held the American pole vault record for nine years from 1985 to 1994 and also held the world record for a brief time and earned a bronze medal at the 1989 World Championship. He's coached some 50-plus All-Americans in college, including 29 years as the head coach at Oral Roberts University. Through all the accolades and world travel, Joe Dial never lost his faith in God and has always found solace in the fact that he's on this earth to serve him. I started the interview by asking Joe about growing up in Marlow, Oklahoma. Really, I was born and raised there. Other than a couple of years, we moved to Texas City, Texas, and then, but uh, came left like in the third grade and came back in the fifth. So, uh, mom and dad in the house, brothers and sisters. Yes, yes. Uh, my, you know, the the whole works, and then, uh, and then. My brother, he was a 1969 state champion uh, in the pole vault and won me the champion. So that's kind of how I got started in the event. Okay. And uh, he broke a pole, and his high school coach said, here, have a, his half a pole that he broke. And so that's basically how I got started <laughs> at five years old. Oh, okay, gotcha. So how, okay, so how much older than uh, you is your... Uh, he's about uh, 12 years older okay. than me. And and then is I, it just the two of you? No, and then I have another brother, Jim Dial. And, okay. Uh, he's 69, so he's 10 years older. And okay. then I've got a sister, Sue, that's uh, uh, like uh, two and a half years older. Okay, okay. So a little bit of a gap between two and three. Right. And uh, and, and so uh, what did your dad do? Uh, well, my, my dad was a, a welder. Uh, a pipe fitter, and then he got where he was disabled uh, because his uh, back then uh, they didn't have surgeries like they do now. Like I've had eight lower back surgeries, and uh, you know, with him they they did surgery on his lower back, but they put cow bones in him, and it just ended up disintegrating. Wow. And you know, so his was just bone on bone, and so he couldn't really do anything. So that's how he ended up just being my coach. Yeah. So how did the older brother uh, get into pole vaulting? And did did you guys do, did you play other sports? I mean, usually in a town the size of Marlowe, you were playing football and basketball and then running track, I'm assuming. Right, right. I did did all that. Uh, You know, I played uh, up to my sophomore year. And I actually started, we had a really good team uh, my sophomore year. I mean, we were literally one play away from going to the state championship game wow. was against uh, those Clinton tornadoes, you know, those Marlow <laughs> outlaws. But it was, that was so good. But by that time I started pole vaulting so good, I was just like, ah, I, I, I think I should, you know, because uh, the odds of me going to college were zero other than getting a scholarship. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my 
parents were on a fixed income. We had like 500 a month to live the whole month. So it was really tight, yeah. you know. Now, did your older brother pave the way for college vaulting? or? Uh, yes, he, he went to Eastern Oklahoma Junior College for uh, a year. Like I said, he won the meet of champions in 69. And then he didn't stay long. He ended up getting married and just raising a family. And mm. my other brother, he didn't, uh, he didn't pole vault. And so, uh, what about your sister? Uh, she, you know, of course, what? I, did I don't guess females the, vaulted no back no, in the 70s. No, no, they didn't start uh pole vaulting uh till you know 98, 99, okay, yeah, 98 in uh NCAA. So, high school, it was a lot later than that in Oklahoma. Did she excel in another sport then? Well, she ran track and okay. actually she could even pole vault it. She would would pole vault in the front yard just having fun. She could do it back then, but they didn't have wait a uh, minute sport. Wait a minute, pole vaulted in the front yard? Yeah, I mean, that is just something that we did. Is that know. where you had your, your, you had a pit built in the front yard? Yes, well, it was uh, <laughs> it was just in the dirt. Oh, okay. I just landed, I just dug a little hole, and my dad welded up some standards, and I just started right and just land on the dirt. <laughs> and so, yeah, I came through that era where, you know, pits were not very good. That's okay. probably the one of the, you know, I broke my back a few times, and, uh, but hey, I survived it. So I, so I was a high jumper, and I'm a couple of years older than you. And I remember the first high jump pits were basically just big old nylon bags stuffed with like pieces of foam, you know. And you, and and sometimes the two bags would would split apart a little bit, <laughs> so yes. you could you actually would land in between the two bags of foam and really hit more ground than you would and. And that's only jumping six feet off the ground, let alone how, how high you were probably jumping. That is the way uh, I broke the first state record in Oklahoma, uh, I think 16, one and a half, two, something like that. And that's what I landed on, those bags. <laughs> but, yeah, I've considered myself pretty lucky. Those bags that you're talking about, it was just foam. Mm-hmm. Me and a guy drug them over to the Marlowe um, football field because that's where it was at the time that we just uh, jumped there and we slid them over and we each dared each other to go up higher and higher on the lights. And I got to the top of those lights and jumped off on one of those things, which was not as one of the dumbest things I've ever did, you know, so that that's, yeah. It, and I'm scared of height, but I couldn't let that guy beat me. Okay. Well, you're a pole vaulter afraid of heights. Yes. Yes. And you held, we'll talk about all the world records you've held along the <laughs> way, but wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, okay, so so we know older brother uh, was a pole vaulter. How did he even get into that? Well, my dad was a pole vaulter. Okay. And then my uh, the, 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 me- the be- medals that I have that uh, my grandfather won, they're five gold medals. Your grandfather vaulted In 1924, too. he was actually a, he won the high jump, long jump, shot put, and discus, and then the all-around athlete. And they're act- my grandmother gave them to me. They're actually made of gold. And this is a high school meet. It was a gold field. Wow. And I still have those. It's just remarkable uh, just looking at them today. Oh, I, I can only imagine if you have a man cave, how many medals that thing holds, just from <laughs> you, let alone all your relatives, too. And that's that's really cool. So the history is great great grandfather yes. was a vaulter. So I go to church with a with a family called the Hannocks. 
which I'm sure yes, you, yes, of course. you know them because yes. you, you, I think you probably trained the youngest. But they that's a that's a three third generation of vaulters. Yes, with uh, John. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. John uh, and I even trained him when he was in the Masters. Okay. Uh, and then Jeff, I coached him when uh, I coached at OU. Yeah. And then now his son Brandon, I uh, had at ORU these last few years. Yeah. Okay. So you got to coach father and son. Yes. So you, uh, you well, did you compete then against? Uh, Jeff. Yes. Against that, the uh, grandfather. Uh, no, three? no. Uh, he would have been way too old. Yeah, he'd have been okay. old, but I, I, I trained him when old. he was doing some masters. Oh, okay. So he was the one that you trained as a masters, right. and then okay, yeah. So that's incredible. Um, all right. So that's now we know how you got into vaulting, and um, how I guess. What was it about you physically, Joe? Because, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of guys who who were pretty good at it, but there's always there's always something about the elite people. And and you you're a world class pole vaulter in your day. And not a lot of people can say that. And that's what I find really intriguing about your story is because you're so humble. Nobody would even know that about you unless they asked you, and then you would give them the information humbly, uh, which I really appreciate. But, I mean, what what was it about your style and how you learned to vault that was a – for one, let's start in, in high school where you uh, you were the first to, what, vault 16? 18, 18 feet. Okay. You were the first in high school to go 18. Were you the first to go 17 as well? Uh, indoors, yes, sir. Okay. <laughs> it's just – it's incredible. So obviously, the the in the polls uh, have changed along the way. I, I bet your great great grandfather. I bet that pole never even bent uh, when he was pole vaulting. No, no, they were bamboo, and then my dad pole vaulted on bamboo. So, okay, yeah, it's it's come a long ways, and even probably since the eighties when you were vaulting. Yes, they have come uh, okay. quite a way since then. Were they all? Was it, was it fiberglass? Yes, but they keep coming up with different types of fiberglass okay a little lighter a little quicker response things like that because i mean i remember back in the day uh i mean guys were shattering poles all the time right and obviously the more bend you tried to get in those things that was going to create that that effect and that was probably good that i wasn't like the the greatest genius you know i was a uh you know i it doesn't bother me to tell the story, but uh, they tested me in the twelfth grade, and I had a fifth grade reading level. Uh, so, and they kind of had me in the, uh, most of the special ed classes, which you know that's fine. That's just where I came from. That's what mm-hmm. I did. But I can read now, right? You know, right. so it's all good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so all right. So afraid of heights, pole vaulter, and I gotta think that sh- the the shattering of poles had to be a real issue for you guys as well just the fear of that happening and and the results yeah well i've I've broken five of them and it's definitely not any fun i mean it hits you 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 flip and it can become really scary but you know what i it never even uh it never even bothered me i was just grabbing other than go because i I knew it just (laughs) It wasn't something that happened all the time. Yeah. But a lot of people, it really ends their, uh, you know, drive, and then they become scared. And once you become scared to do something, you just you can't do it. I guess it would depend on how hard a fall you took, and right, and, and, and to if it pushed you to that to that length. 
All right, let's let's back up and go back to to growing up in Marlowe and home life, because uh, obviously a Christian now. Yes. Did you grow up in a Christian household? Y- yes, sir. Uh huh. Yeah, both my mom and dad. I never, not one time in my life, ever saw them in an argument ever. I don't even know how you go through life without becoming a Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I was saved when I was nine years old uh, in Tennessee, Texas. At uh, Crossroads, at not Crossroads Cathedral. That's where I met my wife. Uh, uh, but uh, at nine years old, so you know, looking back, it's a lot easier to see how God has, you know, guided you through their life than looking forward. Looking backwards, it's so easy to see Him uh, interceding for you. Yeah, one of your chief rivals as a as a professional and outside of college when you were vaulting. Uh, on that world-class level, uh, was from Russia, but technically from Ukraine. Once Sergey Bukka, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. See, that's a name that I was telling my wife about. I didn't have to look that one up because he was he was so prolific. Yes, he was. In the 80s, yes. and uh, he was always breaking the world record, seemingly. Yes, yes. incredible. Um, so let's let's go back to, you're in high school, uh, you're... you're pole vaulting at Marlowe. So we're, I, I'm assuming, obviously, there were some national meets that you could go and compete in on a national level. Did, did those happen very often? Uh, well, the first, uh, one of the bigger meets I went to was the Kansas Relays my junior year. And it's actually the first time I ever was on a rubberized surface because, you know, in Marlowe, we was either on like what the road is, running on asphalt, uh-huh. which was my runway, asphalt or on cinder and that's just what we jumped on and so the first time i got to go on one of those rubberized tracks uh uh i jumped i broke the 17 year old world record and the high school record that i guess casey kerrigan had had since 1969 and that was in 1980 so i was just like this is unbelievable how fast it was Uh you know first time on rubber track which you know that's all everybody does now but it was something just incredibly new at the time yeah so okay so now you're you're you got that that uh hit 17 uh and you're a junior in high school so uh how how fast because i think the world record now is still is it 20 20 foot uh four uh mondo duplantis yeah yeah and i mean it's been it's been just barely it's been around 20 for a long oh yes time yes. now and so those world records are only going up by you know a quarter of an inch at a time over many years but but there was a time when th- those world records were being broken a lot faster i mean people were going from 17 to you know 17 six in less than a year right right so is that what happened with you when you went from 17 to 18? You improved by a foot in just a 12-month well, period? Well, I, when I did that at Kansas Relays, I jumped 17, five and a quarter. And then that was my junior year. And then my senior year, I ended up going uh, 18 and a quarter and then 18, one and a quarter. And then, you know, uh, that's where I ended uh, my high school career. Yeah, wow. So I w- would assume you probably had... Uh, many offers, college offers to go a lot of different places around the country. Yeah, yeah. I went, uh, visited uh, Texas, El Paso, Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, OSU, and OU. And uh, so, 
you know, each one of them was hilarious stories, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, let's hear one. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, back back then, I won't tell you which school, but uh, my dad was, he was quite the comedian. And, you know, it, like uh, now this new, you know, where it's pretty much everybody's professional. Uh, and there was a lot of that going on back in the 80s, early 80s, 70s. And uh, so one of the schools uh, had uh, said, hey, uh, we will guarantee you a degree, and uh, you don't even have to go to class. So I came, <laughs> I came back to my dad, and I said, uh, you know, because I wasn't a rocket scientist. And so I said, Dad, they said I wouldn't even have to go to class, and they give me a degree. And he said, wow, son, that's hard to pass up a fine education. <laughs> I mean, that was just his, uh, uh, he was just hilarious uh, with that. You know, in other places I'd go, they'd, you know, uh, you know, a brand new vehicle, a car lot guy. And, you know, if I sign there, it'd, it'd mm-hmm. be there. So it was, you know, I didn't end up going to either one of those schools. Uh, but what was special about Oklahoma State was my dad was able to continue to coach me. They hired him. Okay. Uh, so, because he was disabled, so he just became the pole vault coach. Mm-hmm. And that that meant the world to me. That way I didn't have to change coaches. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can see why that would make a difference. Now, is that where you met your wife? Was that? Uh, no, okay. I ended up meeting my wife. I was, uh, I was in, uh, in 1986. I was supposed to go to the first Goodwill Games in, uh, in uh, Russia, in uh, St. Petersburg. And I was in London, and they couldn't get my poles there. And I just said, well, I, I, that's, they had built up the rivalry because I had the world record indoors, and Bupka had the world record. They really built it up on TV, but I said, I can't, I'm not going without my poles. And so I said, well, and I slept in the airport all night in London. And I, and I said, well, we're, oh, that'll get you ready for, to compete, won't it? Yeah. And, and so I said, well, if I can't go with my poles, I'm not going. So I said, I'll go home. So I went home and I'd promised a guy that I would go to church at Crossroads Cathedral and, uh, nine months earlier. And I just and I'm real big on if I try if I tell you I'm gonna do something I'm gonna do it. It mm-hmm. might not be right then, but I'm gonna do it. So I got back and I just said, you know what? I'm gonna keep my word to that guy. And so I went to church and I called him, said, "Hey, I'm here." And I, my adopted son was there, uh, and uh, and this girl walks in front of me and I tapped him on the shoulder. Uh, my son, I said, "Hey, uh, see that girl there? She's in love with me. She just doesn't know it yet." <laughs> In three months to the day, we were married. Wow. And I, I well, mean, how, did I, meet, how did you meet her? Did you just go j- up to her? No, no, I had the guy. I said, hey, will you oh, introduce okay. me to that girl <laughs> right there? And so uh, she was just starting her freshman year at, o- at uh, OU. And so uh, I ended up, uh, I was coaching down there after uh, leaving Oklahoma State uh, mm-hmm. as my first coaching job. And it just literally just we just hit it off perfect and uh i was just like well uh she thought i was gonna break up with her and uh uh i said hey uh you know i know i know i don't have a ring or anything but uh will you marry me she said oh nothing would make me happier and so i said well we can get married before the indoor season or after and she goes no before because i want to travel so that was it's it's been absolutely awesome yeah all right, so you mentioned an adopted son. Yes. Uh, so this would have been 1986? Yes. Uh, well, I'd, uh, uh, his, 
when I was a senior in high school, it's kind of a long story. I was a senior in high school, and his, uh, he was in the seventh grade. And uh, I was running the pole vault off at Marlowe. Uh, his name was Tim Skitt. And he, uh, he was like, you know, back there not talking to anybody and everything. And I said, hey, what's wrong with this kid? And they said, oh, his mother died this morning. And from that moment on, I just had a real urgency to watch out for this kid. And so I would bring him clothes. We'd find clothes, give it to him, and then bought him his first bicycle when I went to Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. And I was 20, and I, I, you know, the kid, he was just living not in the, you know, uh, he didn't have a real dad. Uh, He had gone years ago, you know, off somewhere, uh, wasn't involved with the family. And so he was just in a home with a, you know, bunch of people. And I said, hey, Mom, uh, Dad, will you all you guys uh, take him in? Uh, and they said, sure. And so they brought him up to try in Oklahoma by Oklahoma State. And then when I, once I finished Oklahoma State, started coaching at OU, he wanted to play football. And he was a pole vaulter, too. He had pole vaulted 16-1. Okay. And state, three-time state champion. He was an incredible athlete. Now, what high school was uh, he? Perkins Triumph. Okay. All right. Yeah, he was a state champion, actually, at Marlowe high school and then i brought him up and he stayed with my parents and then then when i went to ou i owned some land down in bowlegs oklahoma and my brother my oldest brother rex he was coaching there so i said well hey you can live in the house i have there and some land you know he wants to play football so he played eight-man football Mm -hmm. and he ended up 1986 he was the defensive player of the eight-man football and uh, wow. uh, he was just just unbelievable kid. Yeah. I mean, just just remarkable. So that that was uh, you know, that was my time. Well, you and I were talking about the year of 1987 because that was a year of a lot of highs, no pun intended, right? Uh, but obviously, some really low lows. Tell us about both. Uh, well, uh, just I mean, I broke three American records, won the U.S. championships, and uh, you know, just got married. Everything was going. Uh, so good in in 86 got married and then 87 living in norman coaching good contract with nike and uh, and then 10 days before the world championships i really believed i would go there and break the world record and uh you know uh, he went out on a a blind date he was going to eastern oklahoma and uh you know uh, got the call that he had uh, been murdered that night Uh, and it was it just it it just killed me and I didn't eat or sleep for pretty much the whole time to the world championships. And then I got over there and no hided and uh and then Nike cut me. It was just it was just just crushing, you know, and I and I knew that was the beginning of the end of my pole vaulting career, even though I vaulted after that. Mm-hmm. But there was just the emptiness uh that that uh, that something was missing. Talking with Joe Dial a former world record holder uh, many times over uh, in in the pole vault, uh, not only in this country, but obviously world record as well. So when you're telling the story, Joe, about adopting... um, I I was 20. What was his name? uh, Tim Skitt. Tim. You were talking about adopting Tim. It sounded to me like, and I know you were, you were just listening to the Spirit. Right. Telling you what to do, and you were not denying the Spirit. You were... Okay, you know, God's talking to me. Did you 
did you question when he got murdered? Did you ask God why? Well, why did you put me in this position to, to well, be his? A, a few years before that, he when he had to play football, I had to go to court in front of the judge and legally get him mm-hmm. for him to be able to play football. And so uh, I never forget what the uh, judge said. He says, do you know how serious this is? That if something ever happened to him, you would be responsible. Yeah, you would be responsible. Did you feel like, though, Joe, that 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 meant responsible in that way? I'm not quite sure, but, you know, I just remember those words. And then when that happened, this is just a huge turning point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all things work together. And, uh, you know, God's taken care of me from the whole times of my life. I respect what you're saying so much, Joe, because, the, you know, I've done about 30 of these, and there are so many times where something devastating like that has happened, and people go the other direction in their relationship with the Lord, where they're like, I can't believe you allowed that to happen. Because we all know that God doesn't make any of any bad thing happen. He will allow things to happen. And why he would allow that to happen, and they'll just go south in their relationship. Obviously, that didn't happen to you. No, because the last time <clears throat> the last time I saw Tim, he was wanting to know what his life was going to be like. So we prayed together. And I saw him reading his Bible, and so we prayed together. And the answer I got from God, this was one week before this happened, is he said, uh, as he was heading off to junior college, uh, he said, God said that I'm going to bring him home. And I, just, I was thinking that he was talking about he was going to come home from college. And so when I got that word that he had gotten killed that night, immediately I knew exactly what that meant. Mm-hmm. And so... God prepared me for that moment, even though it still crushed me. Right. But, you know, it's like I, that that's what God did to help me prepare that way for me to just be able to continue and not blame him. Obviously, it, it still strikes a chord in you when, sure. you when you think about what that judge said. I've had some things in my past that have, that when I think of them now, they're not they're not even that long ago as this was for you. I'm talking about stuff that's only six or seven years ago. But I still, when I try to talk about those things, even though I've I've reconciled those and I I, I understand it, I still, when I start talking about it, get emotional right. because I re, I go. My mind takes me right back to seven years ago sure. in an exact moment in time, right. you know, and so obviously it does the same for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just no different than, you know, the first when you get saved, when God changes your life. I mean, all those Im- big, important things. I, I mean, my mind is like a trap on all those. I, I, I just it's so clear in my mind, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I can go back to the exact feeling, the moment everything but i think that's just nothing but uh god 
So when you say things changed for you at that moment too in 1987, was that things changing uh, not for the better as a pole vaulter? Correct. But they changed for the better personally. Yes. And, uh, you know, it just really puts stuff into perspective of that I, I really felt like that was the beginning of the end of my pole vaulting. Uh, even though I continued to fight and strive for it, but it really, I, I kind of got all my focus towards my family, you know, because uh, even though I've had the world record, the American record and all that, God said he'll give you the desires of your heart. And really, it was never to do all that. It was to have a family. And and that's when I met my wife. Uh, and, and that was the desires of my heart is to have mm-hmm. a family. And that's, and you know, that is just been the joy of my life. And you were you were telling me before we started the podcast about uh, your son recently getting married. Um, how many kids do you have? Uh, I have uh, three boys. Okay, okay. Yes. Did they all vault? They all pole vault at one time or the other, and all one right. of them uh, got to uh, pole vault for me, and uh, one of them is the head track coach at Union High School right now, Tim. Okay. And then Tommy, uh, he jumped for me at ORU, and then Tyler as my youngest, he uh, uh, he is at Oklahoma State right now. How long did you coach at Oklahoma? And how, uh, at how, OU, three years. How hard was that to be this All-American at from OSU now coaching at Oklahoma? Did you well, get a lot of grief from people? Well, uh, it was the times of Bosworth and them, and the, the head coach at OU is one of the finest men I've ever met in my life, uh, J.D. Martin. He was a a pole vaulter and a former world record holder. Okay. But he was a it, with the aluminum pole. So he didn't oh, coach wow. he didn't coach so much the fiberglass pole. Mm-hmm. And so if I went to OU even though he was he was such my mentor and that's I just loved him to death, but Ralph Tate at Oklahoma State was willing to hire my dad and it was just it was it was one of the hardest phone calls I've ever had to make is to tell JD Martin that I wasn't coming to OU. Yeah, but it it, it worked out beautifully uh, at Oklahoma State. And, yeah, uh, yeah. So I got to think that vaulting with the cane poles and the aluminum poles would almost be like the difference in a high jumper doing the straddle and the Fosbury flop. I mean, two compl- you're still jumping over a pole running and jumping, but it's two different techniques. And right. so using the fiberglass, you know, there's there's a technique uh, that has to be applied. And do you feel like, Joe, when you were when you were vaulting in those days, that that's what your edge was over most – because you, you were telling me that Sergey Bubka, you couldn't believe the speed he had down the runway. And obviously you had enough speed – but was it your technique that was help you compete with guys like Bubka? I, I think it was, uh, you know, at the very end of my career, it was pretty discouraging that, you know, he had his entire country behind him. Mm-hmm. And literally, it just, it was me and my dad and people who just wanted to help. And that was just us. I mean, uh, the whole time I jumped for the United States, uh, I got twenty five hundred dollars from the uh, Olympic Committee, and that was it. I mean, wow. they just 
zero. You mean in total? In total. <laughs> zero support for their athletes. I think they give them like 15000 or something now, but just, just nothing when, yeah. you know, I mean, you have to strive to just survive over here and then try to compete, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, at that moment, I would have switched in a heartbeat uh, because it's like he had every advantage in the world, and and it was just me and my dad seemed like competing against the whole rest of the world. Uh, but in that odd joke, because everybody usually thinks it's just the opposite. Yes, yes, and you know I, and uh, you know with one thing I learned, I started traveling around the world at seventeen, and one thing I picked up on in a hurry is that. Athletes around the world were pretty much all the same. Mm-hmm. And so, but the leaders of different countries had their own agendas. So, even though, you know, like Russia, we boycotted the 1980 Olympics because we were in, uh, uh, Russia was in Afghanistan. And then four years later, they boycotted us because we were there. So, I mean, it was just so politics of, among sportsmen was just like, because it was so worldwide, was mm-hmm. just like, hey, that second, we were still friends. You know, it was just the countries that uh, did all that. So that kind of, you know, that's probably why I've never been too much one way or the other. It's just if you're a friend of me, you're a friend of me wherever you're from. Yeah. You know. So you've been coaching now for well, since 85. Okay. So a long time. It's been a while. Yeah. And and that's about to come to an end. Yes, sir. Um, what what does the future look like for Joe Dial? Uh, well, I just, I've been doing pole vault clinics for forever uh, since uh, really uh, when I started at Oklahoma State, started doing them. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing them the whole time at ORU. So I love coaching. I just, I love working with kids, seeing the progression of them as people, you know. And uh, so I'm going to continue to do uh, pole vaulting clinics. And then as far as, you know, if I'm going to, you know, I don't feel like I I want to go back into college coaching at this point or even really – I'm not for sure. I mean, that's I'm at the point of where I, I'm really open to see what God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. I, I'm always grateful when I hear guys talking about that. That you know, I'm a I'm, my life and and I I've been journaling almost daily now for about uh, seven years, and it's one of my repetitive. I repeat a lot of things in that journal every day because to me. Um, Every day is is a challenge in itself, and um, I want to grow as a Christian. I want God to use me in whatever way that He can, and and I'm open to whatever and wherever that might be. Um, but I appreciate so I appreciate when people say that that you know I, I'm wherever God wants to take me. That's where I'm ready to go and do whatever it is He wants me to do. When you were, especially in the late '80s, after your adopted son Tim. Uh, was killed. Um, how far? I mean, how, how far along was the family at that time? Did you have? Uh, no, you were just married. So uh, yeah. And when uh, was your first son born? Uh, in uh, 
uh, a year after we got married. So he was born in, we got married in November. He was born the next October. Okay. And, uh, and then that happened later that summer, right before the world championships, uh, in Rome. Okay. So that would have been in eighty seven. Yes, eighty seven. You gotta tell. You gotta. We gotta. You gotta tell the story about meeting the Pope in Rome. Yeah, we were at the World Championships, and uh, uh, you know, it was. It was at the time. You just we got off the U.S. plane, and uh, there's a uh, there's guards lined up with submachine guns, all walking the U.S. team uh, through the airport, and then outside my, uh, I have pictures of it all of uh, my hotel. There's there's guards out there with machine guns right outside my door. And so this guy uh, from Dubai, he had some tickets to go to the, the John Pope Paul II's summer cottage. And he said, hey, I'm leaving. My athletes compete, and you want these tickets? And I said, sure. And so anyway, I invited one of my roommates and another person. I had three tickets. So we got on the bus to go, and, you know, every delegate is there and you have to be at the very like head coaches and stuff like that. And, uh, they said, Dow, how did you get, uh, tickets to go to the, the summer cottage of the Pope? And I said, Oh man, we're, we're good buddies. You know, we're, we're, we hang out all the time. He sent them to me. And so I never told me different. I'm just messing with them. And so we got there and he spoke up a, a sermon in 16 different languages, which wow. was very, very impressive. And then, then he starts coming down the aisle, and it was so unbelievable. It reminded me of biblical times. People were diving just to touch his, the hem of his garment, wow. literally. And he would stop every once in a while, and people would drop to their knees and kiss his ring. And he was, he was heading right to me. I mean, it was a long walk to him to get to me. But so I knew what he, was going through your mind? Just like, dude. This guy's coming right to me. Am I going to kiss and, his ring or not? Yes. And so he comes all the way up to me, and I stuck a flash bulb, one of those old little hand cameras, right in his face, and I flashed it, and I've got the picture. And I don't know if he saw the light, but he looked up at me, and he reached his hand up there to, for me to kiss his ring, and I was just like, dude... I'm from Marlowe. Oh, there's no chance I'm about to do that. And so I just grabbed his hand and spun it around, and I said, hey, how you doing, buddy? Give him a good old American yes. handshake. Yes. And uh, so anyway, he's, you know, I let his hand go, and his bodyguards commenced knocking everybody out of the way for him to go. But that was, uh, you know, that was definitely Marlowe style. Oh, so you flashing the uh – the picture, uh, what comes to my mind immediately is is Top Gun and Maverick, you know, <laughs> going going uh, inverted over the Russian MiG and yeah. Goose taking a picture of the Polaroid of it, and it just, it's like you were in the that was what the, one of those cameras <laughs> just like that. Oh man! So let me ask you, what Joe? Where do you go when things start to get a little bit dark for you? Uh, to keep it from getting any darker? Is there a scripture that you rely on? Is there a favorite? Uh, I just, I remember my mom always said that God will never put on you more than you can handle. And so really, I just stick by that. Mm -hmm. 
And so regardless of what the whole world is going, I know that's the truth. And so, you know, I, you know I've had my day in the sun, all that stuff. Uh, just, you know, I just want to do what's right. You know, I have my whole life. But that's, that's the closer I get, you know, Psalms 90:10. a man's life is 70 years by strength 80, you know, and uh, Psalms 90, uh, 12, let that man have wisdom and learn to count those days. And I, I've just really, I've, I've, that's really hit home, you know, the older I get. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. Joe, thank you so much for sharing, man. This has been awesome. I really appreciate it. Um, uh, so many people are going to be inspired by your story. Uh, starting, I'll be the first in line. Uh, I love everything that you had to say today. And God bless you, Joe. And wherever God takes you, man, you're going to be a valuable tool uh, and, a, and, a, and a warrior for the Lord. You already have been. And I know you'll continue to be. And I appreciate it. My thanks to Joe Dial for being a guest on this episode of Suit Up. Don't forget, you can check out his book, Sky is the Limit. For more inspirational stories like Joe's, just go to the website, suitup611.com.